This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're doing part two with Chris Tabb, artistic director, and Dan Heaster, director in residence at Shakespeare in the Sangres for That's 2019. Right. Yep. Gentlemen, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having Thanks. us. We were going to do a one part last week, and it just ran long. I don't yeah. know. So, there's, there's, there's a lot to say about this stuff, and we really yeah. appreciate being able to get out to uh, the audience. Our audience has been building and growing. We were able to judge a lot by our grocery store experience. When we go to the grocery store, I was there the other day, and this guy stopped me and said, you know, my wife dragged me to Shakespeare last year. I didn't think I was going to like it or understand it, but I loved it. So, what are you doing this year? And we've, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's just it's it's you know, yeah, music music to us and warms our hearts yeah, the, that that the, happens more and more. So, the you best know, place yeah. to get your critical reviews are is at the grocery. Is store. at the grocery store? Absolutely. That is where you run into your neighbors. That, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I know. I, I have an occasion to go to to London uh, every every July. And the Guilford Shakespeare Company, which is a, a suburb of London, right. uh, is always putting on a play, and we always try to go. And there's something about it, uh, they're, they're first class, for one thing, but there's a bit of a language barrier. Uh, mm -hmm. Just when you hear it, some of the language moves pretty quickly. So I, I miss some of the uh, references and all, and yet at the end of the night, I've had a great time. I, I, right. I, I right. totally get it. What, yeah. what, was, what was going on? Well, it's not likely that you're going to understand 100% of the play, but you will understand the story, and you will certainly, especially in the case of Hamlet, recognize the hundreds of phrases that Shakespeare created that we use in our vernacular today. People would be amazed if they've never checked it out. For instance, from this play, this above all to thine own self be true. Be true. Yeah. There is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes, makes it, makes, so. makes it yeah. so. And there's hundreds of phrases that are part of the common language. It, it is, I think, the most quoted play in the world. And interestingly, uh, one of our ensemble members, um, Elliot Jackson, who directed Dearly Departed, looked it up the other day and said that the importance of being earnest has the second most quotable lines right. in in So interesting that we paired those literature. together. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Now, uh, in the past, you've alternated uh, Shakespeare with, say, Moliere. Uh, right. And this year, Oscar Wilde is right. the right. Is, is the playwright. Uh, the importance of being earnest. How how was that play chosen? What is it about Wilde? Well, you know, I think I think generally through the first part of the festival, we were really concerned about doing comedies because people like comedies, musicals, that sort of thing, and uh, tragedies, histories, more serious plays are. Um, a little bit off-putting, but now we've gotten our audience used to that, and they're not intimidated by that anymore. They like to come, but you know, it's it's summertime. It's fun to have a comedy, and the importance of being earnest is just this wonderful, delightful, very funny, very wild by Oscar Wilde. So that's curious, but it's it's just it's it's a great piece, and it just seemed to make sense. They fit together in a very funny but kind of organic way. Yeah, I, well, it, it, it's Wilde's treatise on you know the ridiculousness of British society at the time. So even if the play, if Wilde's play is only 130 years old compared to 450, right. 
it still resonates in terms of fitting into a Shakespeare kind of festival. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because the period costumes are going to be very elaborate, huge, beautiful Victorian hats and bustles and dresses, <laughs> and you know, but and and being able to use some of our younger actors to play some of these delightful young characters in a comedy of manners is is great fun for the audience to just to see the ridiculousness of these characters themselves and how over the top they become, and, and so and to be able to appreciate. Satire in its best form in Wilde's play is is going to be a real treat for us to put on, right. and to experience for the audience. Yeah, in a lot of fun ways, Wilde was the progenitor of Monty Python. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's it's 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 that far kind of out on the edge. He was he he was very interested in art and had a, had a complex life in terms of his relation to the surrealists and the symbolists and so on and so, on and so forth. But he basically felt like the world is uh, sort of an, an ugly, no fun place. And the only way to make it bearable is through art. And so he set out very um, purposely to create art in artifice. So and to celebrate artifice, so these characters contradict themselves. They speak out of both sides of their mouth. They're trivial and serious at the same time. And so, in his own way, he has the same kinds of insights into human nature and human foibles that Shakespeare does. And so, it, it coupled well in, a, like mm -hmm. I say, a very interesting and unusual but pretty organic way. Now. Let me follow up on something Chris said. Ernest premiered in 1895. Correct. Uh, 300 years after Hamlet or so. Right. Aside from the, the obvious content piece, one is a comedy and one is a tragedy, right. what do the two plays say about the evolution of theater over the years? Oscar Wilde's play is, is very different and very unique, but pretty much all modern theater owes a lot to Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Shakespeare created and invented a lot of the forms, a lot of the stylistic kinds of things. And, the plots. <laughs> and, you know, and for us, part of what we've always tried to do as well is to celebrate the theatricality. These are both highly theatrical things. So we don't try and compete with movies. We don't try and create this realistic, you know, magic it's transformation to another mm -hmm. time or place. It is it is theater, and we celebrate the fact, and we share absolutely with the audience, this is a piece of theater. You, you've come, one of the joys of theater is that it is a, a, a communal experience. Mm -hmm. you know? So even when you go to the movies, it doesn't matter if you get up and go and get popcorn and you're sort of solitary. Theater is experienced by a group. And so the theatricality and celebrating that and saying, we're not, we're not trying to fool you. We're not trying to pretend that we're taking you to England. This is a play. It's a piece of theater. And so you, you enjoy that without having to get into all of the really weird machinations of realism and how you create realism and all of that kind of thing. It's, it's a very direct communication with the audience. One of the cool things about theater is, for instance, a play like Waiting for Godot, right. where the stage is essentially barren. Pretty barren. Maybe there's a tree. Barren, and, right. uh, it, it's 
all in the imagination, right. which is right. cool. Right. It's it's an invitation right. to the audience to join. And, uh, you know, there, there's a great practitioner of theater called Jerzy Grotowski, who, uh, you know, was important on the influence of theater. But what he really got down to is saying that if you can create a vulnerability that people have so many masks, they have so many ways of shielding, that if you can be vulnerable on stage, it is an invitation to the audience to be vulnerable themselves and mm-hmm. to be honest and to get rid of those masks. And so we do it We do it all together, and that is a really kind of a joyous thing, and it's a joyous thing for an audience to be able to put aside all that daily posturing that we all have to do and say, mm-hmm. well, Gosh, if they're that vulnerable up there, and they're live, they're working without a net. <laughs> you know, they can't say "cut" and let's do another take. Yeah, and let, let's me edit it. let me try it's, that again. It's here, right? And, and, and so and the audience was, becomes a part of that experience, right? And there's no character perhaps more vulnerable than Hamlet, who, no. oh, no who's, doubt. who's laying out his soul. Hamlet, yeah, Hamlet and everything is affected on Hamlet. He didn't ask for any of this. You know, he didn't ask for his father to be murdered by his uncle or to have his uncle marry his mother or to have some supposed friends come in and try to figure out what's wrong with him, right? And he didn't have to ask to have the ghost of his father come tell him about his own murder and prompt him to revenge. So he's had he's, all the things affected to him. And so the only answer and the, the brilliance of it in the Hamlet itself is that he gets to go out and talk to himself and the audience about okay, I've got to do something about this. How do I do it? Okay, I'll go a little crazy, and nobody will really know. And he leads the audience along with him, and in a lot of ways, the show becomes kind of a murder mystery. There's a murder at the beginning, and then we don't know when the next murder is going to happen. So let me ask, you've both been in theater for many, many years. All our lives. Best role that you've played, most memorable, Chris? I'm always very fond of having played Benedict in Much Ado. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a wonderfully wry character, very suited to my own personality. Hamlet, of course, is on my list, and as I'm learning and developing this character, I'm, I'm pretty much in love with him right now, too. So, uh, but in, over the years, but it, for me, you know, last year I played Caliban. So, you know, I cut my hair in a mohawk and dyed mm-hmm. it and put on full body makeup and had an absolute... Uh, Thrilling time, entertaining the audience, running around being a monster. So it, yeah, that it, that character was developed for you, I think. So yeah, it, it fit for <laughs> right, you. right. Some people would say so. Yeah. That's right, uh, Dan. How about your favorite role? It, it, it's hard. I can't really put a favorite, but there are a lot of them that I've been lucky enough to have on my bucket list and play. King Lear probably mm-hmm. is is right up there. Prospero is up there as well. Creon in Antigone by Jean-Henri. I've been able to direct and play that role in probably six or seven different productions mm-hmm. in both English and French. So that's that's a big one. And then there are, there are a lot of more obscure ones that are just tremendous. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. What is wonderful is that each role that you play, 
if you you know if it's a good substantial role, becomes your favorite right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and that's true. one of the joys of I guess of theater. Be, and it's, you're it's, putting a lot of right. Yeah, you put, put a lot of time and energy time and putting your heart and soul out there. But but those big ones and certainly Hamlet, Lear, Prospero. Um, you've you've got to you got to go all the way inside and face your <laughs> your soul and your inner being right. in order to be able to play it. You got to pull mm-hmm. everything out, and that is both scary and hugely hugely satisfying. Mm-hmm. How about role? How about a role that you regret not having had the opportunity to play? Well, who knows? We're still young. <laughs> I'm not so young. But, um, well, I'm sorry, I never got to play Hamlet. And I'm right. way, way too old for it now. Right. Um, and, and these you know, things are age Romeo dependent. And, so uh, somebody well, like Michael Batson, who's uh, quite young and could play uh, uh, some of the younger right, roles, right. Uh, as he matures, he'll, he'll at he'll, some point he'd be... He'll get uh, his chance. He'd get a Hamlet type thing. Right. And then pretty soon he's like, uh, okay, now he's Claudius age. Uh, right. Uh, that right. sort of thing. Right. So. Yeah, I'm in between there. Yeah. I'm probably a little old to play Hamlet. But, you know, it... It is something that I wanted to do before I was fifty. So, so what, Chris? Any roles that you you haven't done that you look forward to doing, or oh, they've passed oh, you by? Oh no, 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 no! I don't think I've missed out on anything. I think I'm squeezing Hamlet in. Just in time. Just in time. Right. And that's good. And that's yeah. great. We were, we were pity, really happy you know, last year. Really, if, if you're talking about a character this complex, I don't know how a 25-year-old could understand it anyway. Right. Honestly. Hard. But, you know, there's, there's other roles, but there's, you know, more seasons to play. But now I'm getting to the point where I'd like to do a Richard III mm-hmm. or, you know, right. take on some of the more mature roles. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have done Richard III. You know, so there are some roles that... You know, I'm way out of age four that I uh, can't do. But as we run short of time on this part two, uh, Shakespeare and the Sangres runs four weeks uh, this year, this year right. which is the first, I think. Uh, yes. it's, it's either been three or one year it was two, I think. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, a fairly complicated schedule. We're opening Hamlet on Friday, the 14th of June, mm-hmm. and that will play for three days. And then the following Friday, we're opening The Importance of Being Earnest, and then we will rotate them every day. So it's possible if one was only in town, one of those four, you could hit both of the players. Right. The, last, the last three weeks. Weekend. last three weeks. And you can yeah. even, if you come up on a Saturday evening, because we do matinees, you can see one and see the next one at two, two in the afternoon and be, be out of town by seven and yeah. have seen two great productions. So so Shakespeare and the Sangres opens Friday, June 14th. The two plays are uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet, Oscar Wilde's The Importance of Being Earnest this year. It's going to be a great time. I appreciate you uh, sticking around for part two here. Oh, well, we appreciate it's our uh, pleasure. We appreciate being able to reach out in the community. As I said earlier, our our audience and our community is growing, and people in this valley have really embraced us as we are now part of the community. And we had record audiences last year, yeah. and we we hope to be able to build on that this year. Great. We've been visiting with Chris Tabb, Artistic Director, and Dan Heaster, uh, Director-in-Residence, and they're both acting in these plays. For Shakespeare in the Sangres, uh, the 2019 edition, thanks for stopping by and sharing with us uh, oh, well, the magic of theater. No, you thank bet. you so much for uh, sharing with us the magic of radio. <laughs> we'll always take a chance to talk theater. Yeah, absolutely. Great. My name's Gary, and we'll see you next time.
on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 